Well, with a new year beginning, I think it's very normal, and I'm sure some of you do things like this about thinking about what kind of goals am I going to address in 2020 or what's my New Year's resolution or some people get as formal as I'm going to write those things down and some say I'm just going to think about them. Some people say I don't do much goals, but I would think it's pretty normal in our society and in our culture that a lot of times we think about this as we turn the new year. A lot of us think about some things on the outside. Things like, I wish I could work on being a little skinnier. I know that's usually one that comes to my mind every year. And it's like, ah, oh, you lose a few pounds, you put a few pounds on, and you kind of go through that journey of I'm going to get a little more skinnier, I'm going to get a little bit healthier. Some people say, if I could, I want to work on how could I be a little bit taller. And I have a few inches I could share because sometimes I say, I wish I could be a little bit shorter. Um, we have all these kind of things to start thinking about our outward appearance. For some, it's I want to be better looking. For some, what can I do with my eyes? What can I do with my hair? What can I do with my teeth, my legs? What can I change about my outward appearance? And it's a very normal thing that we think about that. Sometimes if we had a magic wand, we'd be like, hey, I want to change all these different things all in one time. And I'd like to see that happen. And that's normal and that's okay. If we all go through those kinds of periods. I, I think especially in your teenage years. For those who are teenagers in here or just coming all that, you know what that's like. You, you tinker with your style. I'm one, one week I'm this style, the next week I'm trying this style. Um, sometimes it, it deals with uh, experimenting with different fads that are going on. Well, here's the fad I want to try, or, or I'm going to follow this kind of fad, or the group of people that we tend to, to run with. For some in teenage years, it's I'm going to model off of a certain actor or actress or a sport athlete or, or a musician. I like their style, and so I'm going to follow their style. And then we get older or we get smarter, and we don't do that anymore, do we? First service, someone said, well, absolutely. I said, that's not true. Because as we get older, we still struggle with these kind of things. We, we still spend time trying to figure out the clothing that, that makes us feel right and makes us fit in and, and, and where, where we're going to be at. I mean, you're going into some kind of environment and you wonder, am I dressed white? Am I dressed appropriately? Am I okay for this occasion? I go through this this morning. I got up and went downstairs. I was all dressed, ready to go. And... Um, Working on my sermon, spending a little time in prayer, and I'm like, man, these clothes are strong. I went upstairs and changed my clothes because I was like, clothes weren't feeling right, fitting right. And so you make changes. So we still struggle with that even into our adult years. And then I've been told by some people that as you get older, though, and I don't know when that stage is, you do hit a point where you kind of just say, I'm done playing that game. I'm not going to worry about it. It's not a concern of mine anymore. But in some extreme cases, some people just give up and stop carrying all together and say, I've tried all the changes of the outside. It's just not working. See, because the truth is people change slowly. It's a slow process to change. It's hard to change on the outside, but I think it's even harder to change on the inside. I think it's even harder to change our heart and to change our mind. If there's anything we know about human nature is that we change slow and we try outside changes, but we also sometimes focus on inward changes. And maybe as you're turning this new year, some inward changes are coming to your mind. Some things like heart changes about my impatient spirit or maybe a critical tongue or envy of those who are around you and the things that they have, or maybe it's a spirit of discontentment or a lingering resentment. Maybe it's a lust that you haven't been able to conquer. Maybe it's a financial mismanagement. Maybe it's a guilty conscience or an inability to work with others or a judgmental spirit or a quick temper or an ungrateful spirit or a disorganized life. All kinds of things that go on and you're like, I, I got to change that, but it all starts inside. And those sometimes can even be harder. What would you change about yourself if you could do it? 
What would you say, Lord, let's make this change. We all want something to change. Sometimes we don't know where to begin. We, we all dream of being something different and being better the person we are today. And advertisers know that. You see that in the advertising of commercials and advertising across social media and advertising that comes in your email. And what do they promise? This can happen. It can happen quick. Take this pill. Do this exercise program. Just eat some of this food. And all this will take care of it. But change is hard, isn't it? Making changes and adjustments to who I am, whether it be a physical appearance or an inward thing, it can, go, it can be very hard. You go to any bookstore, and there's just aisles upon aisles of self-help books. Helping people change is a big business nowadays. But you know who's in the business of change? Jesus. He's been in the business of change from day one. God sent Jesus so that we could be changed. And is it okay to think about outward appearance? Sure. Is it okay to think about some of these inward things going on? Sure. But what really trips us up is where we're at with Jesus. What are we doing with Jesus and our relationship with Jesus? And so today, I just want to focus in on one verse that I think could be a theme verse for you for 2020. It says, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't be confirmed, conformed to this world. Don't follow the patterns of this world. Don't look at this world and how the world says to live, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is right, what is that that is good and acceptable and a perfect will of God. Paul says to the church in Rome, he says, Christians, listen, quit chasing after this world, quit looking at this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what our mission here at Centerpoint is all about, helping people find and follow Jesus. Is we want people to find Jesus and follow him. Why? Because Jesus has the perfect way to live, and we start following Jesus' way of living. That's when transformation takes place. That's when change starts to take place. That's why we talk about a process of connecting people to Christ, centering lives on Christ, and helping people to discover their call in Christ, and they go and change the world through Christ. That whole process, when people are walking in that, and as we get better and better, about that as a church, we're going to start seeing people be transformed by Jesus because all this is about that. I want to talk about just two aspects of this verse today. One is we must be transfigured from the inside. From the inside. As you're turning the corner into 2020 and you think about being transformed, Romans 12 2 uses the word transformed and it's actually the English word of metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Now, you think about metamorphosis, and you can go back to your junior high years, and you probably when you learn about the process of metamorphosis and that process where, where a caterpillar becomes a butterfly or where a tadpole becomes a frog. And you had experiments with that. And it's a gradual change that take, per, takes place and produces a total transformation on the outside. But it all starts with something inside. I use the word transfigure because it's the exact same word that is used for transfiguration when when we're talking about the, the transfiguration of Christ, when the true glory of Christ began to shine through his humanity, look what Scripture says. He was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And so the word being uh, transformed and transfigure in the text talking about Jesus being transformed and us being transformed is the exact same word. The word means to be changed or transformed to become another thing, but not to change who you really, you originally were. Think of it this way. When Jesus was transfigured, he didn't cease being Jesus. 
He was still Jesus, but he was transfigured. He was still who he had been moments before, but for a brief time, the curtain is kind of pulled back, so to speak, and James and Peter and John, who are all with him in that moment, saw much more of the true divinity of Christ. They saw who he really was. In that moment, they saw the, the real Jesus. They saw the Son of God out of heaven. He didn't cease to be a man. He was still a man. But his true identity was revealed to them that this is the true God of true gods. Because they're starting to see this transformation take place right before their eyes. See, when Jesus was transfigured, he didn't cease being Jesus. Now, you consider, go back to the idea of a caterpillar. It enters into cocoon, only emerged later as what? As a butterfly. Now, the caterpillars don't change its basic nature. Metamorphosis reveals what was always there in the genes of the caterpillar. Caterpillars can't fly, but it's interesting, they're born to fly. When you stop and think about that, how, how do you solve this challenge? If this thing was born to fly, how do you possibly solve that challenge? Well, it's by a process called metamorphosis. Stop and think about that. When a caterpillar has been changed in a butterfly, it becomes what God intended it to be. So when you see the little caterpillars climbing on a tree or going up the bricks of your house, you start to think, that thing's made to fly? I mean, if you take for a moment, say a half a dozen of caterpillars, collect them up in a jar, your kids are running around, got them, and they bring them in a house, they dump them on the table for you to look at, and you're looking at these little caterpillars wandering around on your table, and you know nothing about them. Suppose you know nothing about metamorphosis, and if someone said, those little crawly things in your table, one day they're, they're going to fly. You would look at them and say, you're absolutely crazy, because there's no way that little bushy thing that's about an inch long is going to take off and fly. If you knew nothing about the process of metamorphosis, because you can't tell by looking just at what the caterpillar is, you can't tell what its purpose is. Matter of fact, it actually seems impossible. And when the Apostle John said that now we are the children of God and what will be has not been yet made known, he's saying you're looking at where you're at right now. But you can't see what God has in store and what God has planned. Just as you can't see a caterpillar that is made to fly, sometimes we're looking at our here and now, and we're not seeing God is doing a work of transformation, wants to do a work of transformation in us, and he has a plan. What's his plan? According to Romans 8, it says that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, God's plan was that we are formed to look like Jesus. That's his goal, that's his strategy, that's his plan but it takes some work. It takes some transformation, kind of like the sculptors learned in 1464. A sculptor named Agostio Diaducci began working on a huge piece of flawed marble. The idea was, can you produce this magnificent Old Testament prophet for the cathedral in Florence, Italy? He labored at it and worked at it for two years and he stopped and he gave up and he gave up because it was such a messed up piece of marble. So then in 1476, Antonio Rosilio started to work on the same piece of marble and in time, he abandoned it also with the same challenge going, the thing is too difficult, there's too many flaws in it, there's nothing we can do with this. And it sat there from 1476 until 1501 in a 26-year-old sculptor named Michelangelo. You ever heard of him? Sure, we have. He was offered a considerable sum of money 
to produce something that was worthwhile from that enormous block of marble that they called the giant because sculptors had tried, but they had failed. He begins his work, and he saw a major flaw near the bottom that had stymied other sculptors, including Leonardo da Vinci, who was one who gave up on sculpting that piece of marble. He decided to turn, it, turn that part into stone, of stone that was bad into a broken tree stump that would support the right leg. And the rest of it he worked on for four years until he produced the incomparable sculptor called David. I was going to show you a picture. Probably not appropriate for this viewing audience. So... You know what I'm talking about. Today, the 17-foot-tall statue stands on display at the Academy of Gallery in Florence where people come from all around the world to view it. More than a masterpiece, it's one of the greatest works of art ever produced. It's been said that there's no statue more perfect. It's an amazing picture to see. How did he do it? How did he do what others could not accomplish? Here's what he said in his own words. In every block of marble, I see a statue as plain as though it stood before me, shaped and perfect in attitude and action. I have only to hew away the rough walls that imprison the lovely apparition to reveal it to the other eyes as mine see it. You know, all of us are a work in progress. Said in a more formal terms, he probably was saying, I cut away everything that didn't look like David. So he had in his mind, I see the marble and I see David when everybody else just sees this ugly block that has been a struggle. You apply this to your relationship with Jesus. Every one of us in this room, we're a work in progress. Every one of us. We're not finished yet. We're not glorified yet. We're not perfected yet. We're not completed yet. We're all under construction, so to speak. You ever spend time around a construction zone. I can't say I spent much time until we had our house built and then we built the building in addition. Construction zones become a mess. They're dirty. They're, they're, they're kind of a wreck. Uh, matter of fact, Brian and I, one of the things that we like to do sometimes is um, drive around these neighborhoods and when houses are under construction, we like to stop and go in and before they're finished and wander around. While you, does anyone else do that? Some of you all are like, yeah, I do it. Some of you are like, I'm not admitting that because that's like trespassing preacher. Come on, now don't be too holy. We've all done that before. You go in there and you're like, what's going on in that house? And Brian and I will go in and we're like, okay, is that a bedroom, master bedroom? Is that a bathroom? What is that? Sometimes we have these little debates about, no, that's going to be this. No, you know, it's kind of fun. But it's a mess and you really can't tell what it all is. Same when we were building this building. I couldn't believe how messy construction is while the hammering and the sawing and all that continuing. It's hard to imagine what the final result, result will be. But God never stops working on us. And sometimes our lives look like that. Sometimes we're in the middle of a mess. We're like, man, my life is messy. If I could tell you my story and what's going on, and you're telling me God's still doing some work? Absolutely. Sometimes in the middle of the mess, we can't see the end. But God, just like the sculptor who could look at that and go, I see David in that sculptor. Boom, we got going. Well, God's doing that on us and in us. See, if you concentrate on your weakness or weaknesses, what will happen is you'll lose confidence of who you are and who you are in Christ. If you concentrate on God's faithfulness, then you'll start to grow in confidence. See, what, what makes us think that God will ever stop or never finish the job? I mean, picture the sculptor working with that rough piece of marble. Picture God working on you. He's working on a big chunk right now, now and the name is Brian Bolton. 
And he keeps chipping away at it. And he keeps working on that piece of chunk. Put your name in there. He's working on you this day. He's working on you by you being here today. He's working on you by the journey you've been in. It's sometimes a hard job. It's sometimes difficult. Sometimes there's mishap and sometimes there's discoloration. Sometimes there's cracked and and odd pieces. It's sometimes about the worst piece of marble that a sculptor would want to grab and start working on. But God's working on you. And God is undeterred. God doesn't want to give up. And he won't give up. And he's patiently working his job. He's chipping away. He's chiseling away. Because he has a picture of what he wants you to be. He has a finished product that he's envisioning. And even sometimes we can't see it ourselves. And one day he finally going to finish the statue. And the next morning he's going to kind of return to that statue and he's going to look at it. He's going to say, no, I thought I finished that yesterday. I thought I finished that foot. I thought I finished that elbow. I thought I finished that ear. And he's going to look at that statue and he's going to go like, who's been messing with the statue? Who's changed what I've been working on? And it turns out that usually in my life, I'm the culprit. Because even though God's doing the work, I'm like, no, let me start doing this. No, let me start doing it this way. No, God, I got this idea. Because I thought I can improve on maybe what was already messed up. But God's faithful. He patiently picks up. He starts cleaning up. He says, let me take care of that area again. Let me take care of this area again. Let me keep working on you. He's chipping away on everything that doesn't look like Jesus. Because the Scripture says that He wants us to look like the image of His Son. I'm encouraged by certain knowledge that He won't quit halfway through the project. He won't give up. And God doesn't want to give up in you. As we move to 2020, I want you to hold on to the word transformed, transfigured. We are in that process. Work with God faithfully, allowing him to do transformation in you. There's a second part you got to ask, and that's the question is how? He does this transformation. Well, how? Well, what does the scripture say? Be transformed by what? Renewing of your mind. Be transformed by renewing your mind. Sometimes I think we get a little squishy about our relationship with Jesus. You say, what do you mean squishy? Well, I mean that, that I think sometimes we make it all purely emotional. We make it all based on feelings. If I can feel the presence of the Lord, then I know I'm moving in the right direction. But if I don't feel God, then I must not be connected to God. I must not have a relationship with God. Or my relationship is struggling. Or, or, or he doesn't care about me because we go on this feelings. And as important as feelings are, and I think they do matter, but Paul here put the emphasis on the renewing of the mind. He doesn't say follow your feelings. He doesn't say if you feel good, if you feel right, if you feel connected. He says transform your mind. How do we get the renewed mind that Paul talks about in Romans 12 too? How can we do that? There, there's several directions I could go here with this, and, and we could make a whole sermon series. We could have launched a whole sermon series, day, sermon series day calling, how do you renew your mind? But I think it's rather simple, but it's a lifetime of working at it. And it must be a desire along with a discipline. It's rather simple, but sometimes it's hard to do. There's a little equation from Dr. Charles Rari. He's an author and writer and preacher that he, he came out with years ago. And the equation is T plus HH equals SG. And I think this still applies today, even though this came out about 50 years ago. But it's still so true today. T stands for time. And HH is habits of holiness. And SG means equals spiritual growth. So when you put in the time and you practice habits of holiness, you'll see spiritual growth. And this is a process. 
But what happens in our society, grab this book, read it, and your life will change. Take this pill, all of a sudden everything's going to change. Just eat this way and everything will change. And then we think, okay, I'm gonna, it's going to happen so quickly. And so our minds have been conditioned that change or transformation happens like that. And if it doesn't happen like that, then it must be wrong. In God's economy, when our relationship with Jesus happens, it takes time for us to habits of holiness, then spiritual growth happens. Well, let me talk about some habits of holiness that I would encourage you towards in 2020. There's four. It's kind of like a foundation of a building. Four corners, the cornerstone of four things that I see people do these, they'll start growing in their walk with Jesus. One is weekly worship. What you're doing right here. Hebrews 10.25 tells us, do not neglect the gathering together with other believers. Why? Because God does something miraculous in our gatherings like this. He does something way beyond what we can understand. And so as you go into 2020, I'd make a high priority in my life to say, you know what? Weekly worship is going to be on my top priority list. I'm going to fight for that time. I'm going to, I'm going to invest that time. I'll make sure that time happens. Today, all those who study the church and statistics, they'll tell you that the average active churchgoer goes 1.7 times a month. How could we possibly be healthy? Let me just eat 1.7 times a week or exercise only 1.7 times a week or only go to work 1.7 times. I mean, you take that stat and you apply that out to other areas of life. You go, I would not do that. It's just not going to work. And so weekly worship, God does something when we gather like this. So keep this a high priority as a habit of holiness. Another area is groups. We're going to be talking about groups. You'll start hearing about this in January. We do a new sign-up encouraging you to get involved in a Bible study group. We call them growth groups here. Uh, and that is one of the best ways to grow in Jesus. By being with other Christians where you gather around the Word, you're encouraged together. You're going to be hearing all about that. I encourage you to sign up for a group. As you get involved in a group, again, that's part of not neglecting gathering together. But the world screams all this other stuff. But the Scripture tells us don't be conform to the world. The world says, well, I need to be busy with this. I need to be busy with this. I need to be busy with this. And so I don't have time to be involved in a group. I don't have time to be in worship. Fight against what the world calls us to. The world says, be, be conformed to, to, to me. And Paul says, don't be conformed to the world. And so you make weekly worship. You make being part of a group. And you make service a high priority. Say, well, where do I serve? Well, find a place to serve within God's kingdom or serve within this community where you take Jesus out to this world. We just went through a big uh, season this last fall encouraging you to get involved in ministry. This could be the year you say, I'm going to find that place to serve. I'm going to find a place within God's church to serve or I'm going to find a place within a community or a little bit of both where I'm going to go serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Because that's what Jesus did. And the more we do what Jesus did, the more we're shaped to be like Jesus. And then the last corner I would encourage you is, is in your personal time with God. When I say that, your personal quiet time with God, your personal prayer time with God, your personal Bible study time with God, whatever you want to call that, your meeting with God needs to be regular, that you invest the time so you spend that time with Him as a habit of holiness. And God does something when you stay committed to that time. I've shared this with you before, but uh, this has always been kind of an up and down journey in my life. About four or five years ago, God's like, Brian, when are you going to get real serious and lock in on this? And he kept nudging me towards a, a practice of a quiet space that I would go to regularly. And so I created this space in my closet 
I'd move my clothes over and cram them in and put this little desk in the corner of my closet and put a chair in there. And I just felt like God was nudging me and saying, listen, you meet me right here in this spot. And so about five years ago, I got pretty serious about just, okay, God, I'll meet you in that spot. Now, at that little desk, I have a, a Bible and a journal, and depending on what Bible study I'm in, that's usually laying there. There are times I get up in the morning and just I'm all in. I'm like, okay, I'm praying, I'm reading the Word, I'm, I'm 100% in. There are times I get up in the morning, I'm like, I am tired, I don't want to read, I don't want to pray, I don't want to do anything. Anybody else been there? Let's just get real here, okay? We're, we're all that way, right? So what I've done is I have learned that I have to stay committed to the time, to the commitment to meet Jesus, not committed to the task of what I do when I meet Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? Be committed to meet Jesus, but not always the task. Because there's days when whatever's going on in life, I'm, I'm unfocused. So I get my cup of coffee. Here's a little trick for you if you're a coffee drinker. Go buy a little one-cupper. I put it in my bathroom, like at a hotel room. So when I go to the bathroom in the morning, I close the door, and I make my cup of coffee, and I take my cup of coffee to the closet with me. So I don't have to leave and get distracted. I, I, I'll chase squirrels, you know. So if I left the room, ESPN is on, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and all of a sudden the day is gone, I miss my time. So I have my cup of coffee, I go to the closet, and I sit in the chair. And there are days, literally, I sit and I say, God, I don't feel like talking. I don't feel like meeting. I don't feel like reading. I don't feel like doing anything. But I'm here. I'm meeting you. What do you got for me? There's times you sit there and it's just sitting quiet with a cup of coffee. I don't know what he's drinking, but I'm having coffee. There's times when he starts talking and starts nudging. There's times where I move from not feeling like it to all of a sudden I'm reading the Word, all of a sudden I'm journaling, and all of a sudden I'm in my devotion. I'm practicing whatever the discipline is. There are days when you miss that. There are sometimes seasons where it's like, man, it's been two, three weeks. I haven't done real well here. What I start to sense in me is my stress level goes up, my temper goes up, my short fuse goes up. All those are warning signs. Brian, you have been spending time with God. When you practice those four habits that you see, you know what? Worship's going to be of utmost important. Being part of a group is going to be a high priority in my calendar. Finding that place to serve. And I practice a daily time where I meet God you'll see transformation start to take place. You'll see the mind being renewed. You'll get over my relationship with Jesus is about feelings. And it's all about a commitment. And it's all about growing the relationship. I think about that sometimes. You know, my wife and I will go to dinner. <clears throat> Not a lot to talk about. But we spend the time. We do our date nights. Why? We spend the time. When you spend the time, it's amazing how all of a sudden you start talking about all kinds of things. You're, inv you're investing in each other. Sometimes there's talk, sometimes there's not. But when you spend the time, the relationship grows. When you spend the time with God, the relationship will grow and you'll start to be transformed. Now, there's, an, I think, an addition that you can put on this equation. It's the letters G-E. Time plus holy habits plus godly encouragement. Plus godly encouragement equals spiritual growth. Do we not all need encouragement? I mean, we live in this world that can be so discouraging and beat us down constantly. And so we need each other. And that's why it's so important to be in worship. That's why it's so important to be serving together. That's why it's so important to be in a group together. Because you get around some other Christians who can pat you on the back, who can listen to you when you need someone to listen to you, someone who can pray with you, someone who can just kind of encourage you on the journey. When I was a youth minister, I would tell the students that I worked with that, that if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. 
You've probably heard that statement before. It is so true today. Show me who you hang out with, and I'll show you what your future looks like. If you hang out with people who are chasing after the world and all the things of the world, that's the direction you're going in. But if you're hanging out with people who are chasing after God and running after God, and they're trying to grow in their faithfulness with God, you will see that you will grow in your faithfulness with God. And so we come alongside to encourage each other because we're hanging around with the right friends. Romans 12, 2 teaches us about a spiritual metamorphosis that a God, God intends that will slowly but surely be transformed into the image of Christ. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by osmosis. All right, now, you, you can have a Bible in your house. <clears throat> you can have a Bible on your apps. It's still the number one sold book in America. I think it's still the number one sold book across the world but we're still the most biblically illiterate society ever in the year 2019 as we turn in 2020 because we don't learn by osmosis. And so we can't just set the Bible on our head and go, okay, and I got it all. No, we have to work with it. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. In our fast food society, I want it here, I want it now. No, that's not how you grow spiritually. It takes time to keep working. It, it, it can't happen without the Holy Spirit. And so when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're in Jesus Christ. When you come in Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. If you haven't done that, we'd love to help you have that conversation and, and show you how to do that. It happens when we make a personal commitment. It happens with godly encouragement. It happens as we become what God has meant us to be. What we're talking about here, the Bible calls the process of sanctification. Being, more, being made more and more like the image of Jesus. See, we're on a great adventure, and i, I got to promise you that it, it's not always easy. It's not always fun, but it is a great adventure. It, it can be nerve-wracking at times because when you get close with God and you grow with God, your weaknesses get exposed under pressure. Sometimes that's not the funnest thing to go through, but there's no other way to grow in Christ. And so as we turn the corner towards 2020, I encourage you not to give up. God's still working on you. I encourage you to continue in faithfulness, allow transformation to take place. A few years ago, Brianna and I got a chance to visit the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina. Anybody been to the Billy Graham Library? Wow, I'm amazed. First service, too. Nobody had been to it. That needs to go on your bucket list. That's a place you go to Charlotte, North Carolina, you must visit. It's where <clears throat> Billy Graham, his wife Ruth, were buried at the time. Billy was still alive, but at the time Ruth was buried there. Engraved on her, her, on her tombstone are these words. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. We're all under construction. Let's be patient with one another and let's allow God to do his work. Bow your head.